Joy to you, friends. Peace and contentment will fill you. You will know the peace of Landrew. This is episode two of the Trek Geeks podcast, and the Red Hour is upon us. Energize. And here we are, episode two. Uh, I forgot to introduce myself last episode, so I'm Bill Smith, um, half of the Trek Geeks. And with me, as he will be every episode, is my good friend Dan Davidson. Dan, um, are you of the body? I am of the body. Peace and tranquility, friend. Great show last week, or two weeks ago, actually. Uh, had a great time. Had some great feedback, which we'll get into in just a second. But before we start, I have two quick things I wanted to say. First of all, want to congratulate our New England Patriots on their fourth Lombardi Trophy last week. Yeah, one of the most intense emotional roller coasters in a two-minute span that I've ever had. Uh, it was fun to watch, and glad that we're going to be going and seeing that Lombardi Trophy in a few weeks, hopefully. And uh, number two, uh, tonight. Well, today is February. What is today? The eighth, seventh. I don't know what day it is. It's just all fun. Um, Walking Dead premiere tonight. In honor of that, I do have, of course, because we have uh, recording Trek Geeks today, I've got my Star Trek He's Undead Jim t-shirt on today. And uh, we're going to post a picture of that up on the website so that anybody who wants to see what it looks like can see it and maybe order one for themselves. Excellent. I think that's a great idea. I'm uh, wearing my Trek Geeks t-shirt, um, handcrafted by me. Um, yes. And we'll th- throw a picture up uh, of that, too. Not that anybody really wants to see me in a t-shirt, but um, I know you do, Dan, and that's really all that counts. That is all that counts, and I, I, I'm seeing it right now, and I'm I'm just a happy man. <laughs> so we'd like to welcome everybody back to Episode 2. We thank everybody tremendously for the response to Episode 1. Um, we just figured we'd be a couple of guys you know, recording a podcast from our own comfortable homes in the middle of winter, and uh, the response has been tremendous. And um, I don't know about you, Dan, but uh, it feels pretty good to know that uh, people have enjoyed Episode 1, and hopefully they can make it through Episode 2. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, this is the first time I've been involved in something like this. I know that you have a couple of others that you do in different areas, but I was surprised at the amount of um, downloads, the amount of feedback that we got in such a relatively short time. I think it stands for what Trek is all about and that there are just people out there that just can't get enough of it and will go anywhere <laughs> as low as they need to go like this podcast uh, to, to get that information. No, in all seriousness, I thought it was great. The feedback was fantastic. Couldn't be happier for the turnout so far. No, I totally agree. We've um, a lot of positive comments. Um, I promise that I will talk more about what I think uh, during this episode um, and make it not just an interview of Dan. Um, and Dan, you're just... That's, that's a probably not a bad there. idea because nobody agreed with me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was selective more than anything. Um, but I just want you to know you'll always be my favorite Trekkie. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're not even going to get into that one. <laughs> I will always welcome Trekkie or Trekker as uh, as needed. You're because we're, right we're, we're all friends here, mister. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right about that. Um, the, and the biggest development since we last uh, talked was probably that the Trek Eats podcast is now available on iTunes for your iOS devices, whether it's your iPod, your iPhone, your iPad, or your i-whatever. Um, you can now go to iTunes and uh, d- download the podcast and listen to us to your heart's content. Um, Absolutely. And don't forget the iWatch coming to a store near you. Yes. And um, if you would, if you feel so inclined, please take the time to rate the podcast. Um, that'll help us out tremendously and um, also ensure that we produce more episodes, which is always good. So um, the, the more ratings, the better. Um, you know, feel free to click to your heart's content. Um, we appreciate it greatly. So, and uh, And to add to that, I'd like to say... If you think it was awful, we want to know what's going to help us to make better podcasts later. If you didn't agree with something that I say or with what Bill says, we take that feedback and we're going to do what we can with it. Um, we don't we don't look at negative feedback in a negative way. We look at it as a way for us to grow as a podcast. So keep those uh, keep those um, tweets coming in and uh, the emails and everything. We've been very happy to get them. I look at your feedback in a negative way. That's just because I hate you. That's because I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. Yeah, that's it. Well, speaking of always right, <laughs> let's, um, let's talk a little bit about Star Trek casting rumors. Um, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on Star Trek three today, uh, because we have some other stuff to talk about, but there was some news this week that I thought was particularly interesting. Um, especially if you've been a big fan of, of the television series Breaking Bad. Um, there's a rumor out there that the producers are looking for a Brian Cranston like um, actor or character in this movie. And that has led to speculation that Brian Cranston himself has been talking to the bad robot folks for a potential role in Star Trek three. I think this is awesome. Oh, I think think it's fantastic. Anybody who's watched breaking bad knows the, uh, the genius of, of, of Brian Cranston's acting. And I think it would be a slam dunk, uh, to get him in as Supposed villain, according to those reports. Um, I think it'd be awesome. I can't wait. I will say I'm a little tired of the needing a big bad villain every movie because I think that we've sort of evolved to that point and it gets a little, I don't want to say boring, but you expect that, hey, there's a big villain and hey, they're going to defeat him. Um, I almost think I, I want lesser of a villain and more of some kind of other challenge, but I, I don't know that I'm going to get that and I think I'm okay with it on some level. Yeah, you also have to wonder, we talked about it briefly last week with the way the Trek is going, which I don't mind, um, is the more action-oriented films, um, even though J.J. does throw in the whole, um, you know, under-the-skin under the storyline um, and, and what Trek is all about. There is that action. There is the special effects. And I think in order to do that successfully, you normally have to bring in some kind of villain because there's going to be a, you know, that major scene with the villain that's going to, you know, bring in all of the money. Uh, or, or use all the money in the special effects in the battle. So I'm thinking it'll happen, but I do agree with you. It doesn't have to happen, especially not in every movie. The other thing I'm excited about is that there is, there is the potential for stronger female characters. Um, there's a rumor that there will be a, a rival captain for Kirk played by a, a woman, which I think will be great. It'll be contrary to the original series because, of course, women weren't allowed to be starship captains, which I think is interesting. Um, and then there's also the potential, at least allegedly, for Dr. McCoy's ex-wife to be involved in the story somehow. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. 
Um, on the first one, I would be thrilled if they brought in a female captain, a particular one, because you were talking about how back in the original show, back in the sixties, you know, they were uh, still not preaching equality, so there were no supposedly no female captains. But Dr. Janice Lester would be a perfect new character to introduce in my mind doesn't have to be the psycho that she was in turnabout intruder but um it would be kind of neat if they had her as that rival captain uh they had the relationship and we saw what happened in that episode that would be very cool um in terms of uh bones ex-wife i've read a lot of novels that bring her into the picture from time to time he talked about her in the first movie uh in the new universe I'm kind of neutral on that, whether it happens or not, as long as if they can do something that has a, a good storyline, I think it will be good. The one thing that I will say is I really hope that they bring Alice Eve back as Dr. Marcus. I think that they left that wide open and in, into darkness, and I think that would be a uh, another good, strong female character in the, in, the, in the next movie. I think so, too. I think there's a lot of possibilities. <laughs> I think somebody said that once in Star Trek. I'm not really sure. Um, at least that's what I remember. Um, but... Really, that's all the Star Trek news there is this week. Um, there's no news about the script, um, aside from the fact that Chris Pine is excited that Simon Pegg is, is co-writing. And, of course, Dan has seen all of Simon's stuff. So um, I think that it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's good to stay plugged in, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to be on Netflix and all of, you know, Amazon Prime and everything looking for all of his stuff now. Um, you've had two weeks. That's all I'm going to say. I've been brushing up on my Kirk impressions, man. I got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is probably a good time to uh, talk about what's coming up in a little bit. Um, we're going to talk uh, in just a little bit about Voyager. Um, it's the 20th anniversary of Voyager this year, which really kind of blows my mind because it doesn't feel like it ended all that long ago. Um, and we're going to talk about the, some of the best episodes of Voyager, um, as well as uh, my Voyager challenge. It was a, a task I took on last year that um, I kind of had to suspend for a while uh, based on a new job and, and all those things. But um, I've had a hard time developing an appreciation for Voyager, and we'll talk about that in an upcoming segment. Um, and of course, later on, oh yeah, Stump the Geek. <laughs> Just a preview of what we'll hear when Dan tries to answer questions later. And um, I will say it is the whittled down version of Stump the Geek. Yeah, we got some feedback that 10 questions was a little too much, and Dan and I, in hindsight, agreed with that. So we've whittled it down to five questions and a bonus, um, and we'll try to make it a little more free-flowing than it was last time because Dan had to struggle for answers a lot, which who wow. could blame him? I mean, those were hard questions, weren't they, Dan? Yeah, they were really hard, Dan, Bill. <laughs> As I recall, you only got like four out of ten right. I think it was more than that. I'll have to review the podcast, but uh, that's Actually, okay. Have the sheet right here. Um, <laughs> one, two, Moving two. on. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get so to about that, Voyager. Yeah. Before we get to that. Um, why don't we turn it over to you? You had a topic that you wanted to to bring up, and and let's let's bat it around. Yeah, I got a couple of things that I wanted to bring up this week, so we'll kind of split it in between two. The first is, uh, as I'm sure anybody who listened last week or anybody who's who follows Trek like we do knows about Kirk Starter 2.0. Um, this is a fundraising uh, event that is being uh, 
put on by the folks who uh, do Star Trek Continues. Uh, it's been going on for a few weeks now, I believe. Uh, they're looking to raise uh, money for continuing to make episodes. So far, they have had a tremendous amount of uh, positive um, uh, donations. Uh, I think if they have not already gone over their, their goal, they're very close. Um, and I wanted to talk about that for a second, get your thoughts on it. Uh, episode four has been filmed and is in post-production, if that's the right word. Um, but uh, I can't wait for it uh, to come out. What do you think? I, th- I can't wait. Um, I'm very excited at episode four. I know they've reached their initial $100,000 goal, and they are less than $10,000 away from their stretch goal, which gets them an engineering set. Yes, we'll finally see Scotty holding on to that fence where the warp engines are like we always love to see. <laughs> I never understood that fence, man. And I was glad it, that, it kept all the radiation out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was glad that in the motion picture they made the engine room look a little bigger. Because these, yes. these warp engines that can you know help them traverse great distances in a short amount of time. And here was this fence in the original series. Oh, yeah. Now, not to, get, not to get off on a tangent. Did you think that the engine room in the new Star Trek – on the new Enterprise and the new movies kind of looks too warehouse-ish-y? Is that a word? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a word. <laughs> People just, can send with their the pipes feedback. and everything everywhere. It, just, it, it didn't look right to me. People can send their feedback on Dan's grammar to trekgeeks at starfleet.com. Um, well, you know the, the engine room in the J.J. movies was actually a Budweiser brewery, right? I remember hearing that. I did not know if that was confirmed. Uh, it is confirmed. All right. Um, and the the bigger set with all the all the tanks. I'm not quite sure what that was, but the one where you see the the tanks with the sort of uh, bronze or golden tops. Yes. Um, that's actually a Budweiser brewery. The one here in Merrimack, New Hampshire, where I live, looks very much like that. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, where was I before you rudely interrupted me? I'm sorry. We were talking about the <laughs> Scotty's engine room and Star Trek continues. Scotty's engine room. <laughs> um, but you know, the engine rooms looked, you know, pretty big in in subsequent incarnations of Star Trek. It even looked better in Enterprise, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'm excited that they're going to get a, that set. Rumor has it that Episode Five, they're actually going to get off the ship, which I think will be awesome. I can't wait for some location shoots for that show, even though the the shows they've done so far have been phenomenal. Yes, um, I, 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 we talked about a la- last cast. It is without a doubt the best. Uh, Trek out there right now. Um, it, the, the attention to detail is fantastic. The acting is superb. Uh, the stories are great. The guest people that the guest actors that they've had come on. Lou Ferrigno, he just absolutely fantastic in episode uh, uh, two. Um, I can't wait for it to. I can't. Every time that they announce that they're working on the next one, I just get so excited. I think it's great. So they have additional stretch goals after the engineering set. If they make it up to one hundred and seventy-five thousand, they can actually build a planet set. Um, if they make it to 225,000, they can produce three episodes and 275,000 allows them to produce four episodes, which I think it would be awesome. They've got, yeah. um, eight days left in this Kirk starter. Um, I don't know if they'll get to the 275, but they should easily get to the 150, I hope. Yeah, I think that they'll, they'll make that easily. One of the things that I also like about it is you can tell the passion that these people have. Um, they've been putting out these little snippet videos um, as this Kirk starter has gone on, uh, and it's taken right out of a piece of the action and just fantastic job that they've done. And just those little things just shows the uh, the, the love that they have for this for this project. 
We've been trying to promote this as much as we can. Um, we'll have a link to the Kirk Starter in the show notes for this episode. We've been tweeting about it. We've been putting it on our Facebook page. Um, if you can support this project, I know they would appreciate it, and certainly we'd appreciate it. And I think that all of Trektum as a whole would appreciate it because it is outstanding Star Trek. I mean, um, last year in Vegas, they did a screening, and Rod Roddenberry was there, and, and he was almost effusive in his praise and said that you know he, he essentially considers it canon, which I think is probably the highest compliment they could be paid. Yeah, agreed. I saw that, and I was, I was blown away. Uh, um, someone with the last name of Roddenberry to say something like that really shows how much uh, he appreciates it. I can't wait for, for episode four. When is the date for episode four, Bill? Um, I don't know the date for episode four, actually. Um, I don't think they've actually I'm pretty sure given it's in a date. April sometime. Really? Not positive. We'll check on that. We'll put the link. We'll if we if we get the confirmation of that, we'll put it on the uh, on the web page. Um, little teaser. Don't want to get too excited, but uh, in an upcoming episode of Trek Geeks podcast, we are going to have one of the uh, prime characters from Star Trek Continues has agreed to join us uh, and talk about the show. And cannot tell you how excited we are about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. We don't want to oversell it um, because obviously it hasn't happened yet, but um, it's uh, it's almost a lock at this point, and um, I think it's going to be a great conversation when it happens. I have a feeling it'll probably take up the full hour, but um, uh, if that happens, I'm perfectly okay with it. That'll be fine with me. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed, and uh, and we might throw a, a little teaser up on the webpage when we have more solidified uh, information. So, um, so yeah. Uh, bring those donations to Kirkstarter 2.0. Um, I think it's I think it's something that uh, should keep going for quite a while. Yep, um, we'll tweet it out again from the Trek Geeks Twitter account. I'll tweet it from my own Twitter account, which is Trek Geek Bill. If you decide to follow that, um, so we'll get the word out there and please support it if you can. I think it would be awesome. Yep, same here. Uh, at DCDDS9 uh, is my Twitter handle, and I'll be uh, sending out. Uh, normal uh reminders about the project as it gets close to its completion date um one of the uh, i get actually this is a good segue into the next topic that i wanted to bring up today because the last episode of star trek continues discussed the mirror universe um and that's something i wanted to talk about today also is the mirror universe and get your thoughts on on what you think about it uh i have always loved the mirror universe from the first uh, uh time we saw it in mirror mirror through all the deep space nine uh episodes that brought it in the potential for for things in the mirror universe is uh endless in my opinion uh so i wanted to see what you thought about it i got a couple comments about it as well but what's your thoughts on that bill and i'd first of all before you say anything i would love to see what your mirror universe counterpart is (laughs) i uh i don't know if i could get any more evil (laughs) at least i'm sure that's what my co-workers and my family would say but um... and your co-host uh, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> I love the Mirror Universe. Um, the original Mirror Mirror, I mean, it started it all. It's you. It, I hate to employ a double negative here, but you can't not love that episode. Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah, one of the best ones that they did. Right. Uh, when DS9 started doing it, I loved it. But And I, we may disagree on this, and if so, that's okay. But I almost think they went back to that well a little too often. Yeah, and some of the things that they did, I will say the over-sexification of Kira in the Mirror Universe was kind of a little, come on, guys, you know, stick to the story here. This is just, you know, just trying to get ratings from the young teenagers type of type of thought process. But I thought that some of the storylines that they had in the Mirror Universe were fantastic. One thing that I've always kind of wrestled with 
uh, when it comes to the mirror universe is don't you find it a little ironic that all the same characters are all tied together somehow in the same way? If it's a mirror universe, is there something binding them all between parallel universes so that, you know, that Picard's going to become a captain here and he's going to be a captain over here, but he went through some tough times first, that type of thing. Uh, and it just, it, it's convenience maybe, but that was something that I've always, I've always had in the back of my mind. I, I agree with that on some level. Um, I would have liked to... Well, there was one DS9 episode where Tuvok shows up in the Mirror Universe. Yep. Um, and I thought that was nice because it was bringing in characters that you wouldn't normally see there. Um, and I thought that that was more in line with what I expected Mirror Universe was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, if you want to get uh, some additional information about the Mirror Universe and just have a great time uh, reading about all the different things that can happen over there. We've talked about David Mack in our previous podcast. He has several Mirror Universe books out there that are absolutely fantastic. Sorrows of Empire is my all-time favorite Star Trek novel at this point. Um, it talks about what happens after uh, Kirk leaves the Mirror Universe and Spock takes over the Tantalus device pretty much is how it all sets it in motion. Definitely a good read. Um, David Mack just had a new book that came out called Disavowed, which is a Section 31 novel with Mirror Universe tied into it. Um, I will say I have not completed it yet. It's kind of a follow-up story to a series of books called The Fall or The Fallen, excuse me. Um, so I'm a little bit behind on that. Um, but what I have read so far has been excellent. Uh, David just is a a great writer and has done a fantastic job with, with the mirror universe. He absolutely has. Um, I, I personally would like to see where it goes next. I haven't read as much of the star Trek books as you have, but, um, that's something I need to catch up on with all this free time that I've got. <laughs> yeah, we do have a lot of it, right? Um, yeah. one of the things that I thought was good was, um, enterprises final season they had a mirror universe two-parter which was great and it really threw a curveball in at the very end of the episode where sato becomes the first empress which i certainly did not expect that to happen but david mack did a great job of incorporating that into these books so you take something that started back in the 60s with mirror mirror went all the way through ds9 ended on television per se with the enterprise two-parter and he he hits a he hits it right out of the ballpark with with uh, with his storytelling. So I recommend those very highly. That is correct. Yeah. The <laughs> other one that I wanted to bring up real quick uh, is William Shatner's uh, writings that he's done. He's written several novels um, in uh, conjunction with other authors, but he wrote one called Spectre, which I thought was really good. Um, and also, Dark Victory is another Mirror Universe book that he read. Recommend both of those at uh, uh, you know Amazon or wherever you know Barnes and Noble, wherever you get your stuff. Uh, both of them are good reads. And of course, coming from William Shatner, the the I think the detail, the attention to detail is there because he doesn't want his you know his universe to be uh, muddied up, so to speak. All good reads. All good reads. Excellent. I have to say that the Enterprise episodes, the uh, the Inner Mirror Darkly, uh, are probably my favorites after the original Mirror Mirror. Yeah, I agree. The only thing that, you know, it was a fantastic episode. Don't get me wrong. I, I was so excited when I heard that there was going to be a Gorn. I, the CGI just didn't, just didn't do it for me for him. I thought Gorn it was very, uh, I thought it was very fake looking, I thought. Wasn't it a Tholian? No, no, the Thol- no. There was a Tholian also, but there was also a Gorn. There was a Gorn that was, uh, you know, um, kind of sulking around in the Jeffries tubes, attacking people. Um, oh, that's right. 
and That's right. ended up having a, a fight with Kirk or excuse me with the Archer at the end. Uh, I just didn't think that the CGI for that was all that great compared to the original Gorn and Arena. It kind of reminds me of the episode where Janeway is fighting the bugs on Voyager. And they're all CGI, and it looks CGI. So you yes. see Kate Mulgrew on the floor wrestling with a phaser rifle with this, I don't know what it is, that's trying to attack her. And it doesn't look right. And that's kind of how I felt about that that Gorn scene in Enterprise. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because he was, he was kind of butting it in the head with his phaser rifle, and you can tell he was not really hitting anything. Um, but story was great. I mean, absolutely fantastic story. Gorn can I tell you, I really like evil flocks. Yes. I would love to have... Uh, a discussion or an interview, quote unquote, with with Mirror Universe Flocks. He was great. He's dissecting that monkey creature uh, in the lab at one point. That was it was it was awesome. <laughs> I would love to have John Billingsley on this podcast at some point. And we saw him at the convention in Boston this past summer, and he was a scream. I don't think oh, I've laughed that hard in a long time. Yeah, he was he was great. He's so involved with the fans and and. Um, it was great to sit there when, when we were doing, we we're standing in line at the autograph table and he was there. He was hysterical and he, and he, he generally has a discussion with you as you're standing there waiting to get a, a picture or a piece of memorabilia signed. I think that's, uh, I think he's a, a fantastic guy. Um, actually, when we saw him. He was on stage with, um, Garrett. Oh, uh, no, not Garrett. That was, uh, Bob Picardo. He was on stage with, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that. Was it Connor Trenier? Yeah. And well, I'm getting old. I can't even remember this. I have to look it up. <laughs> oh, it was, uh, it was Mal- Malcolm Reed. Yeah. Malcolm, yep. Um, Dominic they were Keating. Hysterical. It took me two minutes to figure out Dominic Keating's name. Dominic, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they get, I wonder if they get insulted when, when you're talking about them and you talk about them in their character name instead of their real name. I have to think that. It probably grates on them a little bit, but on some level, they probably understand because these characters are so iconic, and so is the franchise. True. Yep. Um, yep. How do you feel when people call you by your character name? Well, we don't want to really get into it. This is a family podcast, Bill. <laughs> well, I didn't know a Big Jerk could be a character, but that's just me. I mean, hey, buddy. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, of the DS9 Mirror episodes... I hate the Emperor's new cloak with a passion. Oh yes, yeah. They, you know, they. We talk about how great the Mirror Universe. Was. They dropped the ball on a couple of them. Um, like you said, maybe not the entire episode, but Kira as the intendant was was very. I thought was terrible, and yeah, that that whole episode was not one of their shiniest moments uh, on Deep Space Nine. The ones that didn't really work for me were the one where they they captured Cisco to build a Defiant on the mirror mm-hmm. side. Or build another Defiant on the mirror side. Yep. And then, obviously, the Ferengi one. I was a little tired of seeing Jennifer after a while. Um, but I have to tell you, the one that I, I disliked almost as much as the Ferengi episode is the one where Burial comes across. Yeah, the, that one was... I didn't mind that one too much. The one that, that I really... The one thing that I thought was just a plain-out mistake by the writers is when they brought Vic in as a real person yeah. instead of a hologram. That made no sense whatsoever. I totally agree. 
And the biggest, I think the, the, one of the worst things that they did was in the very first uh, Mirror Universe episode on Deep Space Nine was when they killed Odo in like the first five minutes. Uh, they totally blew any chance of having a good storyline with him in future episodes. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that decision at all. I mean, it made for, for good television. I mean, it was a shocking moment, and I, I get that part of it when they're crafting an episode. But, I mean, <laughs> it would have been interesting to see evil Odo. I thought that would have been yeah. probably one of the most fascinating aspects of the Mirror Universe. Yeah, and and I I take back what I said. It wasn't the first five minutes. It was one of the one of the um in most intense five uh, five minutes when the the whole battle. And it, it was interesting how instead of him being disintegrated or whatever, he kind of exploded in a big puddle of goo. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of Ghostbusters too. <laughs> Why am I dripping? Is goo. Um. Although I have to say, in um, what was it Shattered Mirror? I think um, when Worf is coming in, and he's got Garrick as his dog. Yes, on the uh, on the not really on a leash, but he's chained up to the the command chair. <laughs> yeah. Those were some pretty good scenes. I do have to admit. Yeah, very good. I, I enjoyed what they did with him as the regent. Um, in some of the books, just to to go off on a small tangent, um, uh, Martok is the regent. Uh, which is fantastic, of course. Any, if, I could just imagine what it would be like to have J.G. Ertzler, uh as a Mirror Universe character. Um, and the Intendant is now Balana, if I remember correctly. Really? And where I am in my reading, yes. Yep. Yep. Is, is Balana still half human, half Klingon? Yeah, there's a. I haven't. Got, I know that she's the intendant, and what what I'm what I'm reading now. Now, like I said a, a little while ago, I've read a little bit of David's new book, Disavowed, which mm-hmm. I haven't read some of the previous books, so I have to catch up to know exactly what the storyline is and what's going on. But they do talk about Belana uh, being her, you know, half human, half Klingon. She is the intendant. Wow, that's pretty cool. I mm. can see I'm going to have to catch up on my Mirror Universe reading, especially if. You know, we ever hope to get David Mack on this podcast. Yes, that would be uh, quite a fun trip for me anyway. So you better get reading there, Snappy. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I think one of the things that is most interesting to me is uh, as I was looking up the Mirror Universe episodes on Memory Alpha, for example. Um, did you know that at one point there had been an episode idea pitched to Shatner where he'd come back to Enterprise as Tiberius? I actually, one of his novels, um, he's Emperor Tiberius uh, from the Mirror Universe. I believe that's the Dark Victory novel, if I remember correctly. Um, but there is a whole, whole, whole storyline that I'm ninety five percent sure that it was Shatner's book about uh, Tiberius being the emperor. And they have uh, one of the big scenes in the beginning is how they have in front of Starfleet headquarters is Ohura, McCoy, uh, Chekhov, I believe, all hanging from the gallows in front That's of Starfleet right. headquarters. Yep. And I think those books were all co-written by Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens, who yep. at that point I think might have also been working on Enterprise, and they were the ones that actually told this story about Shatner almost being Tiberius during season four of Enterprise, which I think would have been really kind of cool if they could have just agreed on money. Right. That would have been great. It's, it's unfortunate that's that something like that can can prevent it from happening. If, if Enterprise had continued in season five, who knows, and quite possibly could have been some additional Enterprise episodes, and that would have been great to see him come back as Tiberius. If at some point there was another Star Trek series, which I'm sure there will be, I just don't think it'll be anytime soon, I hope that they don't go back to the Mirror Universe too quickly, if at all. I almost want them to leave it alone. 
I'd like them to do a couple at the most. Uh, I don't want it to be um, a fallback for you know for ratings time and stuff like that. Keep it keep it simple like it is now. And the question is, are they going to tie in all of the things that David Mack does in his novels about the mirror universe? That would be uh, a question that would have to be asked because a lot of people that are are keeping up with Trek after the shows. These books really keep on the, the life of the show, and uh, as with Roddenberry saying that Star Trek continues, uh, he considers canon. I would like to consider David Mack's writings canon, even though technically they aren't. So the books, while they may not be canon, tell some of Star Trek's best stories and in a more creative manner than sometimes they can manifest on a television screen because of budget. Yeah, agreed. The comics are, uh, are not bad. But to me, they're not the same as novels. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I have I have not really read many of the comics. It just, it, that's just not an, an interest for me with Star Trek is the comic series. I know that there have been some good ones that they've 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 come out with, and and you've mentioned to me, but I just I've never really gotten into them. I like the novels themselves. I've read some of the new ones that are essentially featuring the the JJ cast of Star Trek and they've gone through and they've retold the stories from some of the episodes which have been kind of entertaining but there have been other stories themselves which have been pretty I would guess okay um mm-hmm. I haven't been bowled over by that comic work um they did one of the people. comics that uh, I thought was interesting which there was a whole bunch of um of uh, press on was before Into Darkness came out uh, they had a comic book tie-in, and there was a lot of speculation that uh, Benedict was going to be Captain Robert April uh, based on those comics, but uh, turned out not to be the case. Uh, that, that is true. I did read that, and one could have been left with that conclusion at the end of that issue. After Into Darkness, um, they did a series uh, about Khan um, that featured you know, essentially the J.J. The version of Khan, and they told essentially the story why he doesn't look like He's a Sikh from northern India. Yep. Which I thought was, if they had incorporated that actually into the Into Darkness story, I think it might have made for a better film. Yeah, I think so too. It would have it would have helped to um, ease a lot of the negative comments that were coming out from people that didn't think that he should have been Khan. Um, I don't know anybody who might have said that at all. <laughs> no, no, I, nobody did. No, nobody on this <laughs> podcast said a word about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Mirror Universe. I, don't know what you're um, about. <laughs> I have reading to do, and you have reading to do, and um, hopefully we can get that reading done and, and talk more Mirror Universe at some point in the future. I look forward to it. All right, well, moving on. Um, it obviously is the 20th anniversary year of Star Trek Voyager, which, as you know, premiered on UPN, the United Paramount Network, in January of 05. Um, I can't believe it's been that long. Um, but uh, Sci-Fi, uh, their Blaster website. Time out. Time out. Oh. Math. Mathematician. Yeah. 05? Yeah. No. If it's 05, then My it's bad. only 10 years old. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll edit this from the podcast. <laughs> My wife is the accountant in our family, and she's fond of reminding me that math is hard, and math is hard. Yes, 2015 minus 20 is 1995. And my wife actually majored in math, so she is probably laughing hysterically right now. Yeah, I um, Thanks, Dan. 
So, yes, on January 16th, 1995, 20 years ago, (laughs) Voyager was introduced to the world. And, of course, it ran for seven seasons, like the two series before it. And as you know, I've had a hard time getting into it. Yeah, we've we've joked off and on, both on the podcast and, and when we're talking about Voyager. It's not to say that it wasn't a good show. It was a great show. I think that all of the... Star Trek spinoff series had a real difficult time in the first one or two seasons. My favorite series, Deep Space Nine, certainly had its problems in the first and second season. And I think Voyager did as well. I think we just like to tease about it a little bit more with Voyager than Deep Space Nine. Part of my journey in doing my self-imposed Voyager challenge to actually finally make it through the entire series has been to develop an appreciation for the Star Trek parts of this show. You know, the the parts that carry on Gene's philosophy and Gene's legacy. And uh, as I've started watching, I've realized that, you know, the criticisms I may have given the show before, some of them have been valid, and others of them I I don't see now as I watch it 20 years later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Part of the thing that, that graded on me uh, in a negative way with Voyager is they had such potential for a lot of the things that they did. Unfortunately, I think sometimes the writing greatly interfered with having the show be as successful as it was. There'd be an episode that it's just the, the, the whole idea of the episode is great. The acting is great. The storyline is going good. But then for some reason, it's as if the writers realized, oh, we only have, you know, 46 minutes in an episode. We got to wrap this one up in the last two. So let's just write this in. And it just came across as, as, as bad. Exactly. That was one of my chief complaints, you know, initially, um, and it was one of the things I had the hardest time with. The other thing was that while the cast themselves had great chemistry with one another, I don't think the characters had any chemistry whatsoever. Yeah, you could see that in in, in a lot of the uh, scenes. I th- I think that um, Janeway, as it was a great captain, but sometimes her her interactions with the crew looked acting. It looked like she was acting and not. Janeway, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does to me. I um, There were times where I felt that, well, you would see the, the pain in Janeway's face, especially the first two seasons, three seasons. But after that, it just looks like, oh, well, you know, we're heading home to the Alpha Quadrant. Do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. It's like, yeah. really? Yeah. Because like, yeah. uh, you know, you've got, what, 100 and how many people are on that ship? 130? Come on, Star Trek. 200? Come on. Well, I haven't watched all of Voyager. <laughs> in fact, I abandoned Voyager in the same spot the two times I tried to watch the whole series previously. And it was somewhere in the middle of season five, which I like to call the Doctor and Seven of Nines show. Yes. Yeah. Every they, episode on some level revolved around those two characters. And it got tiresome. The storytelling just wasn't as good. It, it did. As great an actor and as great a character as Bob is and at playing the doctor, it did start to get a little bit tedious. Um, I think that they brought Seven in purely for the sexism aspect of the show, um, which even though Seven became a great character and there were some great episodes with her, I think that's the main reason why she was brought in. Um and in that season, those those episodes with the Doctor and Seven were were an example of that. 
uh, I think, and it, it, it it's too bad. It is. Um, so Sci-Fi, um, which is, of course, now owned by Comcast, I guess, um, on their Blaster website, took a look at what they thought were the 10 best episodes of Voyager. And some of these I've seen, and some of them I haven't. So I'm going to run down the list really quickly for you, and you can tell me whether or not you think it's that great. How's okay. that sound? All right. So at number 10, they have Deadlock. Their description is, in this episode, we see double as an incident causes the creation of a duplicate Voyager and crew. One severely damaged, the other one trying its best to help. The two Janeway struggle to find a way for both Voyagers to survive. I don't know if that's the one where they kill one Harry Kim and keep the other one. I got to be honest. Um, I, at the moment, have no recollection of that episode at all, so I don't even know why it would be in the top ten. <laughs> All right, moving on. I'm frantically typing, trying to to get a, a quick uh, synopsis of the episode, and it, it's just not ringing any bells. That does not mean that you can use it in Stump the Geek because now it is disqualified for all time. <laughs> Point taken, unless you happen to watch it between here and there. I'm just saying. Yes. So the next, uh, I guess, number nine um, would be Worst Case Scenario, and this is the one with the holodeck situational program that theorizes that the Maquis are going to take over the ship. And everybody starts playing the simulation. Yes, uh, I, th- I think that's a good one. It, it, it brought along the Maquis. I think were a good uh, storyline in the Next Generation that never got built upon, except for a couple of episodes. And then when you had uh, Ro Laren in, that had a little bit more. But it allowed. I think this. I think. I think the Maquis were, of course, an integral part of Voyager because there were some Maquis on the ship. Uh, I thought that episode was good. Top ten, eh, enjoyable, yeah. But I don't know if I put it in the top ten. One that I probably would put in the top 10 is Future's End, which is what comes in at number seven. Uh, two-parter, it's the one where they come back to modern-day L.A., and Ed Begley Jr. is in there. Yep. Um, Sarah Silverman's in the episode. Um, I, I think it's it's one of the season three episodes that I actually enjoyed quite a bit. But, of course, it's time travel, and those episodes tend to work really well in Star Trek for one reason or another. Yes. Um, I always like how the time travel episodes make you sit and think, you know, the time paradox question, this, that, and the other thing. Very good episode. I liked it. Ed's character was a little eh for me, but uh, it didn't take away a whole lot from the episode at all. He still seemed like Ed Begley Jr. at the end, didn't he? Yeah, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Although I have to say, probably the role I thought he was the most funny in is in Amazon Women on the Moon, where he plays the son of the Invisible Man. Yeah, um, can't help you there, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if there's a clip to it on YouTube. Um, he plays the, the son of the Invisible Man who thinks he's invisible, and the problem is everybody else can see him. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen the beginning of that movie. I haven't seen that that uh, skit, though. All right. Well, the next episode that they list as you know being in the top ten, uh, Scorpion, the one that introduced Seven of Nine. As I said, um, I think the reason that Seven was initially brought into the show was not Star Trek related, so to speak. But um, it was a great episode. It 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 showed uh, Janeway and uh, Chakotay really having some uh, headbutting as to what to do and how to proceed. I thought it was good. Unfortunately, one of the biggest mistakes that Voyager made in my mind, and uh, I would welcome anyone to let me know if you agree or disagree uh, on the website is they wussified the Borg really bad in, in Voyager. The Borg were, were awful. They were scary. They were terrifying in next generation. The books uh, that have the Borg in it, it real, they were the, the enemy to deal with. 
Janeway just seemed to kick their butt every single time. I mean, good, good, good job, Janeway. I mean, you're a good captain, but it just seemed that it was way too easy for her to. Whenever there were Borg episodes, it just didn't. It seemed like it was too not as much of a threat as they should have been. The Borg were fearsome before. Yep, they were the worst thing in the galaxy, and. Janeway did outsmart them every time, but she was also partially assimilated at one point and yes. had none of the after effects that Picard had in yep. First Contact, where he could still hear them. Right, right. Uh, th- that, and that, that goes to the whole writing aspect. Um, the, the potential was there for so much when you're talking about being in the Borg's home quadrant, and I just think they dropped the ball too many times. Okay, well, moving on. The next episode is Living Witness, and I, I don't recall having seen this one. Um it's a look at history as we're introduced to a museum depicting a rather dark Voyager crew. When the doctor's discovered, he tries to explain what really happened. And even then, all isn't what it seems. And I guess Tim Russ directed that episode. It's almost like an alternate Voyager and the history is kind of in the telling kind of episode. Yeah, I think that I think Picardo did a great job in that one um, as the doctor. Uh, he, was, he struggled a lot in the episode. I, I could put that in the top ten. Uh, yeah, very good episode. Okay, and so it's almost mirror universe without being mirror universe. Yeah, yep. Okay, next one is Hope and Fear. The Voyager crew gets its hopes up when an alien translator decodes a message that they have been struggling to read from Starfleet. On further investigation, though, it turns out to be a trick. The episode especially focuses on Janeway and Seven as they explore what hope and what they hope and fear when it comes to going home, and the two share some great moments together. I don't think I've ever seen this episode. Uh, I'm, I know I saw it because I've seen every episode of, of Voyager. Uh, it's just like with the first one, it's drawn a big old blank right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm on, uh, the, uh, I'm on a Wikipedia site right now and I've got a, I'm looking at a picture of Janeway and, and seven talking in what looks to be one of the holodeck areas. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that sci-fi didn't exactly knock this top 10 list out of the park. <laughs> No, so far, I'm not agreeing with many of them, but uh, that's okay. Um, I think you'll agree with the next one, which is Equinox, um, which I have seen this two-parter, and I think it's pretty good. Yes, it is very good. Um, It's it's funny, though, that they are so far away in another quadrant, and it's going to take so long to get back, but they they sure run into humans a lot, don't they? They really do. But uh, that that aside, uh, it was a good episode. It was a good um, uh, cliffhanger between seasons. Nothing along the lines of um, of um, Picard becoming Locutus, but it was good. Uh, I enjoyed that two-parter very much. Can I just say that the next episode, Blink of an Eye, um, season six, I've not seen it. And in reading the description, it sounds like two Star Trek episodes put together, one from TOS and one from TNG. Here's the description that sci-fi gives it. The ship finds itself in orbit of a planet where, on the surface, time passes much faster. This lets Voyager witness the the development of an entire uh, civilization and culture, one that has been heavily influenced by Voyager's appearance in the sky, and not in a positive way. Um, Hmm. Wink of an eye, blink of an eye. Exactly. (laughs) It's kind of a mashup of of that, and uh, in a way, the inner light... Are you saying that this is in the list as a top ten, or is it just yeah. the next episode? No, this okay, is yeah, in no. the list of the top I'm, ten. I don't agree with that one. Um, I mean, fact, it, it, it was a good story. It, it's funny that these. Yeah, I got to agree that the site is the top ten that these that they're coming out with right now are not uh, 
Not blowing up my skirt, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> this just in on the Truck Geeks podcast, Dan wears skirts. You heard it here first. That would be a True Lies quote for any of you uh, cinema aficionados. Thank you very much. Well, when we get to do the True Lies podcast sometime in 2025. <laughs> in the last episode on the Sci-Fi Top 10, coming in at the number one spot, do you have a guess? Um. I know a lot of people like Tuvix. Um, the two-parter, um, the title is escaping me at the moment with, uh, uh, Year of Hell. I loved Year of Hell. I think that is a fantastic two-parter. Um, but what is it? I, the suspense is killing me, man. It's Endgame. Really? Yeah. No, I don't agree with that. Uh, Endgame I don't is agree good. with that either because I think it's the weakest finale of all the Star Trek series. Yeah, uh, it's it's convenient that oh now we found out that the Borg have these passage passageways that they can just travel to any point in the galaxy on. So we're just going to take one. Okay. And and I understand that people are going to disagree with that. And when I say it's the weakest one, I I, I do realize that um, these are the voyages. The Enterprise finale is weak in its own right, but I think it tells a better story in a better way than Endgame does. I agree with that. I've never had a I've never had a problem with the Enterprise finale. The only thing that I partially agree with on it is, is they made it a next generation episode. Yeah. That being said, they still had a lot of enterprise parts to it. Um, but I, I agree. Yeah. It was end game was anticlimactic, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, yeah. And I kind of wanted to see what happened to them after they got home. Right. You know, some yeah. kind of final act with where they were, or, you know, um, the, at that time, I guess Seven and Chakotay were starting to date, which had never been introduced before that. And it's like, well, <laughs> where did this come from? This is out of nowhere. Right. Um, I guess the only thing we know is that Janeway became, for some reason, an admiral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. and, that, and then also again in First Contact. That's, yeah, she, that's what I mean. Yeah. After she went back and changed the past. <laughs> it's like, well, how does that I happen? Know. I don't know. It was... Uh, yeah, I, I I don't like that top ten list. I'm going to say it right out. Okay, don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you really feel about it? I'm not really sure. Don't like it. Move don't, along home. <laughs> I don't like it. Damn. I don't like it, Mister. Well, if anybody wants to follow along with the or my Star Trek Voyager challenge. Um, I'm almost through documenting season one now. It's up on trekgeeks.com. I try to go through every episode and give it a pretty thorough rundown as to what happens. Um, that involves me watching the episode a few times as I do it. I go through an overview, which takes up a bulk of the post, and then I, I go through the rationale as to why I think some things worked and what didn't. Uh, there's a photon torpedo count. Because Voyager <laughs> allegedly has a limited number of photon torpedoes. And um, they go through a lot more than that. Yes. Uh, we're tracking how many times Tuvok uses the mind meld. We're tracking the Harry Kim suffering Kim. tracker. Pretty much every um, episode. Yeah, Poor pretty Garrett. much every episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at, as we I'm reviewing this, I'm looking at the entry for the Voyager episode Faces, which is from episode one, where Bolana is kind of split into her Klingon and human halves. Mm-hmm. Kind of a take on the enemy within for me, but okay. Yep. Agreed. That's fine. First thing I thought when I saw that episode. And at this point in Voyager's run, so we are drawing to the end of the first season. Um, here's what's happened to Harry Kim so far. <laughs> He's been abducted Dude, by much, an alien race. 
How much time do we have left in the podcast there, Bill? (laughs) (laughs) He's had a mysterious illness. He's been killed twice. He's been critically injured. He's been dejected over discovering a mini wormhole. But then he gets the wormhole named after him. And then he gets dejected over teleportation technology. So none of this the fault of Garrett Wong, who was great as Harry Kim. Excellent. They really didn't do anything with that character. No, they didn't. He seemed to always be the one. I wonder if he wanted to be the one that would always go through the tough the tough things in Voyager. One of the best ones for him being injured, which you'll see as you follow along, is when he gets uh, attacked by species 8472, and he's just got all kinds of tendrils coming out of his body and up his nose, and it's really quite disgusting. And he just always seemed to be the one that was getting it. <laughs> you broke up there a little bit at the end, but I think I get the gist of what you were saying. Harry was pretty <laughs> yeah, much he, abused. He, he went through a hard time. <laughs> yeah, he, he went through a bit of a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's a, we hope to get Garrett Wong on the podcast at some point, um, maybe next month or the month after, um, we've you know, tweeted back and forth a little bit and I can't wait to ask him some of this, this Voyager stuff and to recount my Voyager challenge. And maybe he'll shed some light on some of these episodes that I haven't seen yet or some of the ones I have and give me a, a better appreciation for them. Perhaps. Yeah. He's, he's another one that's just really involved with the fans. He and John Billingsley are, are, I I look at his Twitter feed and he's constantly all over the planet at conventions all the time. It's amazing that uh that he that he devotes as much time as he does to all things and it shows that he appreciates that we appreciated him. Absolutely. So Dan, are you ready? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. All right, it's time for Stump the Geek. That's right. It's Stump the Geek, my annual. I was no, not annual, but every episode I'm going to try to stump Dan with questions from Star Trek, any of the series. Obviously, no planets involved. Dan is not allowed to look at any source material, no reference, no Google, no phone, no books, nothing. And he's going to try to answer these questions as best he can. We've got what five questions and a bonus which I think will be pretty good for this time. And uh, we'll see what you do. I don't think these questions are necessarily as hard as last time. Okay. Um, but we'll see what happens. I will say one one other thing. No star dates. Right. No star dates. No star dates. And also, for the sake of the viewer's sanity, I think we should put a time limit. Okay. 30 I'll seconds t- a question, maybe? Uh, I'll tell you when you've had enough time. How's that? All right. I'll, well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, and that said, here comes question one. Henry Starling was the CEO of what company in the Voyager episodes Futures End 1 and 2? Oh, we were just talking about that. Yes, we were. Bit, weren't we? Uh, repeat the question, please. Henry Starling was the CEO of what company in Futures End 1 and 2? Hmm, I can see the logo. Uh oh boy. See that I can see the skyscraper I should say as well. Um so it's like a chrono 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 industries. Chrono oh, it's two words. It's chrono so I'm sorry, I'll need an answer. <laughs> Chronologics industries? I'll go with that. 
No, I'm sorry. The answer was ChronoWorks Industries. We were looking for ChronoWorks. That was close. That was close enough. Oh, uh, that was no, really wasn't close enough at all. <laughs> all right. All right. Next question two. Name the three Danube class runabouts originally assigned to Space Station Deep Space Nine. Uh, the there's only three. Not sir. Not Saratoga. I know that. Be quiet. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! These are good questions, man. Uh, Ganges. Uh, the that's not one. Saratoga. The, Ganges is one. The Rio Grande. That's two. Uh, the I want to say Yahtzee, but that's the wrong word. Um, <laughs> it's I, I, was, I always I always would see it, and, and they would talk about. It, I'm like, what is it? Uh, the yeah, Yang Yangzi? Is that pronounced correctly? Oh, that's pretty good. It was the Rio Grande, the Ganges, and the Yangtze Kiang. And if I remember correctly, they used the Rio Grande more than anything else. Well, they destroyed, I think, all three of those by the time the show was done. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I always remember seeing that one. They would always show that one coming up or going down uh, out of the um, airlock. All right. Well, question three. Great job on question two, by the way. Thank you. Pulled that one out. Um, This one you'll probably get right off the bat, but we're going to give it to you anyway. Okay. Um, And here we go with question three. Charles Evans was transported to the USS Enterprise aboard what vessel? Oh, yeah. Um, the Valiant. Is that your final answer? The USS Valiant. No, I'm sorry. The answer is the survey vessel Antares. Antares. Wow, that was way off. What am I thinking was the Valiant? Because it was a Valiant in a TOS episode two, wasn't there? Uh, sure it was. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Moving you. Moving on to question four. Name Valeris's two co-conspirators aboard the Enterprise in Star Trek VI. On the Enterprise? Oh, boy. <sighs> First rule of assassinations, you... Always kill the assassins? Yep. Who were they? One of them was an engineer. Uh, I'm not having a good day, man. Uh, I know that one was an engineer. I can't think of his name. Um, Can I phone a friend because of the music that's playing in the background there? I'm the only friend you have. (laughs) (laughs) But I will need your Uh, answer. It's a yeoman. Uh, um, Scotty was talking about him. Um, uh, If I can remember the quote, it was Edson Sam. Five seconds. Five seconds. Yeoman. Yeoman Sam. Sam Noel. Sam Noel. Oh, you got it I can't right. I got I I don't know the second one. I only I only remember that name because it makes me think of Samwise. <laughs> Yeoman's Burke and Samno. Burke. Yeah. Burke I can see Sam-no. Scotty in the locker room or or the area where he's got the locker open and and he's talking about it. Right. Because they found the boots. Okay, so we're on to question five, the one before the bonus. Various Star Trek crews come up against Nazis. 
what episodes do we see incarnations of Nazis in Star Trek? Uh, the original episode, uh, the, the Star Trek, the original episode, um, was called, was not Taste of Armageddon, wrong title. Um, that's one with Enoch, uh, Patterns of Force. That's correct. And then the two-parter in Voyager, uh, which was also a very good episode. I would have put that in my top ten list as well. Um, that would be the killing game when they were using the holodeck with the um, hunters. Correct, the Herogen. That's, that's yes. two. What's the third? Oh, man. Can I ask for one hint? <laughs> Just and it's a, it's a, it's an easy hint. It's not anything bad. I'll tell you which series. Thank you. It's Enterprise. Oh, okay. That's probably why I can't remember it. Um, oh, yes, 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 yes. It was a season premiere when they had gone. Um, the, there was a P fifty one Mustang coming up at the shuttlecraft, and I was very excited because my dad used to have a a, um, a P fifty one. What's the name of the episode? The name uh, it was season was it season two premiere? I get on the tip of my tongue. Stormfront. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> wow, yeah, that was that was fantastic. That was a good episode. I liked that. I didn't like how it ended, but I did like the episode. Wow, you're the big winner today with the first five <laughs> questions. Now we're going to kick it with the bonus question. And of course, I didn't give you any points for any of these, but this one's going to be worth a gajillion points if that helps. A gajillion, okay. <laughs> so, Dan, name the five surviving Zindi species that were part oh, of the council. Wow. The bugs. Five surviving. <laughs> Oh boy, I'm trying to think. I got to put in my mind the number. That that's I will say as we're as I'm thinking about this to you know just kind of waste time. I did not like the Zindi uh, storyline very much. It was tough um, because it took up an entire season, and unless you were vested in every episode, you couldn't come back to it. Yeah. Um. The. The water ones. Do they have specific names, or can I just give a description? Uh, they do have names, but go ahead and give me the descriptions. I want to say the 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 ones that that are in water all the time. The aquatics. The aquatics. Thank you. Um, the monkeys. <laughs> the primates. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, let's see the. Um, Arboreals? Is that the right word? The Arboreals is one. Okay, so I got two left. Yep. Oh, man. The reptiles? Yep. You got one left. Oh, God. I think you actually might have said it in form. uh, The bugs. Yeah. Okay. Now, Now what I can't remember is which ones didn't survive. Oh, see, that was the next part. Oh, no, no. You said one bonus question, man. Sorry. That doesn't work. <laughs> well, Dan, it was a great job. You actually survived something geek pretty well this week. I, uh, I'm proud of you, buddy. Who's, well, who's I my appreciate guy? It. You Those are tough questions, man. I um, I tried. You know, it, it takes me a little while to research these. 
Um, but uh, For all of you listening, I just want to say that as Bill is the primary uh, controller and host of the show, there is going to be a day where we actually um, swap roles. So even though he does not want to do it, he will have to deal with Stump the Geek at some point in the future. <laughs> and I should say before we go any further and wrap this up that um, – sincere and grateful thanks to five-year mission for use of their music the music you hear during the trek geeks podcast is all five-year mission you can check out their music at fiveyearmission.net all original songs based on star trek episodes um we love them and and we can't thank them enough for letting us use their stuff yes and uh, as you pointed out last time they are um they're one of the main um entertainment uh groups at the big convention in las vegas yeah, they were the house band last year, and they did a, a heck of a job. I thought it added a great vibe to the room. Um, and I think they're back for the 50th, although I don't know that for sure. Maybe Fark will tweet me at some point and, and correct me on that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Dan, um, why don't we bring this thing to a close? Why don't you tell the good people how to uh, get in touch with us? I'd be happy to do that, Bill. First of all, I want to thank everybody for joining us. You can check us out on Facebook.com slash Geeks. We are also available on Twitter, and that is at Trek Geeks. Skype, you can always find us over there also at Trek Geeks. And our email address, you can send us a message over at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. And just be reminded that we can and we probably will use your comments on all future episodes. <laughs> That's Dan as Shatner as Kirk. Back to you, Spocko. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dan. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, We hope you enjoyed uh, Episode 2, and we look forward to talking to you again in Episode 3. Sounds great. We will see you all next time. Departure angle on viewer. Aye, sir. It's like porn music. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Match Game 74 with your host, Gene Rayburn. Oh, Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> Brett Summers, Fanny Flag. Oh, yeah. Joyce Charles Nelson. Paul Lynn was on it, wasn't he, too? Uh, for a while, yeah. I could listen to this tune all day. I think I just found the outtake. Starring Ron Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Nowadays, that's him pretty much in a nutshell. Play Nightbird. (laughs) Nightbird. Mad Dog 2020. I hate it when that happens. Oh, it's so, so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was all set, too.
<laughs> All right. Ready? Uh, I just got to find my sheet. I got to go take one. I'll be ready. Oh, hey, you know. Back it up and get the dogs. They'll be out there. <laughs> Reminds me of Wedding Crashers. But Ma! The meatloaf! <laughs> Way to go, Chaz.